Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that we can take our requests and we can bring them to you and know that you hear and receive them and that, God, you've got it all covered, that you're at work. Help us to be full of faith that, Lord, you're a, you're a prayer hearing, prayer answering, and a good Father. You're a good God. Lord, thank you for prayer. Thank you for the privilege to be able to just come into your presence boldly and just tell you what's going on in our life and, and what we need. Thank you for the work of the Spirit to make intercession for us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ making intercession for us. God, thank you. Lord, tonight would you teach us to pray? I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So um, we've got a pretty packed schedule this summer. And as we can cover the topics over the course of this summer, we're going to look at the nine ministry principles. And, and so we did the intro for that last time. And, and I think you can go back a couple weeks and, and get that message off the website. But the first principle is we're a house of prayer because everything starts with prayer. Um, really, everything starts with the Word of God, and then we respond in prayer. But we, we wanted to keep the emphasis, the priority on prayer, so we made it principle number one, and, and there it is. Okay, so uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, and I want you to see this picture. Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the Passion Week, and, and he's going to be crucified that, that Wednesday. Um, he's going to be crucified. And so he's riding in on the foal. They're throwing down the garments and the palm leaves and, and they're crying out, Hosanna, right? They're, they're, they're recognizing, recognizing him as the promised Messiah. Uh, they, they, they call him by this messianic day, name, the son of David, you know? And so the very first thing that Jesus does when he comes into Jerusalem is he goes into the temple. Look at verse 12. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus goes into the temple and he sees the people in charge abusing the use of the temple. They're taking the temple and making it an engine for personal income. As a matter of fact, when you study the history on this, uh, come to find out these guys have got it set up so that they can effectively, very effectively gouge people uh, who are trying to come to worship. So he overthrows their tables. Uh, the tables of the merchants, the money changers. He overthrows them and runs them out of the temple. And then what he does is he, in doing this, he's restoring the temple to its intended function, this place of worship of God, of sacrifice, of prayer to God for help in time of need. My house shall be called a, a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Okay, what are we? Ephesians chapter two, in verses 20 through 22, what do we find out? We are the house of God, aren't we? Aren't we the habitation 
of the Holy Spirit. We're the living stones built together. This place of the habitation of God. We ought to also be a house of prayer. But the danger is, is that we'll steal. Uh, the things, the, the thieves of our character, the thieves of our time, the thieves of our life and heart will steal away prayer out of the people of God. Don't miss the picture, okay? Jesus restores the temple to its intended function. And look at the very next thing in the text, verse 14. The very next thing we see in the text is a restored ministry. That's the result. The very next thing is the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. They didn't have to pay anything. Uh, They just met with the Lord and he was their healing. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and they, I mean, they saw the wonderful things that he did. Look at their response. And the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Again, Hosanna to the son of David. They're acknowledging him as the promised Messiah. And don't miss this picture. They're seeing the wonderful things. They're seeing the worship, the praise, the healing that's taking place in the lives of people, and they hate it. It's the last thing that they want. Don't miss this picture. They were sore displeased. And then here's Jesus' response to the religious rulers. He said unto them, Here's thou what these say? Or they said unto him, They said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? The, the religious rulers are complaining to Jesus. They're, they're calling you the Messiah. And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. So he's, he's cleansing the temple, he's at work, he wants the temple functioning according to design parameters. It's changing lives, people are getting healed, but the religious crowd don't like it. Why? Because they're calling him the son of David, they're acknowledging him as king of kings and lord of lords, and that, that doesn't fit with how they want their life to unfold. They wanna be in charge, they wanna rule the roost, It sore displeased them. And so the picture, don't miss that picture. Jesus left, went to Bethany, lodged there. They lost the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because they didn't care about his plans, his will, his intention for the temple. They just wanted their own way. And I want to just submit to you tonight, this is a problem for God's people. Uh, There are two spirits at work. There's the spirit of Christ and there is the spirit of Antichrist. Now there are actually many spirits in the Antichrist crowd, but uh, there, there's, there's, two, there's two teams, two spirits, right? Two things are at work and you're either following after the leading of the Holy Spirit or you're being deceived by another. These guys want the church, right? They want the temple to function according to their expectations. They don't care what God wants out of the temple, they want what they want. So here, God's people don't want a Christ-centered temple worship life, they wanted it self-centered. And so they got it, they crucified their Messiah, they rejected his proven, I I mean, he's proven as the resurrected savior. They rejected him, and in 70 AD, Titus, just sacks Jerusalem. The temple is destroyed. They got what they wanted. 
So this is key, get this down in your notes. The Bible's teaching for us as the temple of God, where prayer is concerned, it's very clear. Uh, As a matter of fact, you can go to our website and go to the sermon finder, and then you can just select the topic of prayer, and you can find all kinds of resources and, and teachings on that topic. We can't cover everything tonight. But get this down in your notes. God expects us to pray in unity for the mission he's given us. He's expecting us to agree agree together over what's important, what matters most. In other words, we need to subordinate our will to his word and we need to get with his program. Why? Because this should be a place where the people are praising and singing. It ought to be the place where the the, the lame and the blind are healed. It ought to be the place where people see the wonderful things that God's doing in the lives of people. People should get spiritual healing. They ought to get help for their need. So if you go back a couple, well, three chapters to chapter 18, here's how we as the living stones of God's temple uh, are supposed to function in prayer together. Matthew 18, 19 says, Jesus says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So if two of you agree, you'll get what you ask. Now, you have to compare scripture with scripture and you find out there are more requirements than just agreement in prayer. In other words, you know, Braden and I could decide that we don't like Alvaro and then we just agree in prayer, God, we're in agreement, kill Alvaro. Just take him out. It's better if he just, he's not fit to live. Okay, his wife is like, oh, it's an illustration. It's a really bad illustration, okay? Everybody loves Alvaro. Right, I mean, yeah, he's the man. Well, work with me, we hate Alvaro, and he must die. Are we gonna get what we ask? No, we're not asking according to God's word. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're probably begging for a, a, a beat down ourselves. That's <laughs> probably what we're doing, right? We're begging for a spanking from the Father. And so, you know, be careful what, yeah. Anyway, so, so there are other provisions, right? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord isn't hearing to answer my prayer. Okay, but don't, don't miss the principle. We together need to call on the Lord. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So this is the way it works. We see what God's word says and we see our need. So we call, on the, we call on the Lord for the promise of his word, the reality of his word in the life of our ministry together. We know what God's called us to, to win souls, to make disciples, to train and equip people, to see ministry multiply. You know, we can dig wells and we can build buildings and we can paint schools, but if the people that we're blessing, right, through showing care, literally die in their sin and spend eternity in hell. We haven't helped them much, have we? Oh, that God would give us souls, that we'd be able to see people won to Christ, uh, redeemed through the sacrifice of Christ at Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection, to see them reconciled back in right relationship with God, and then to equip them to help other people do the same. Well, God has to open doors. God has to prick hearts. God has to pour out his spirit and conviction. 
And God has to use us to do the work. And so we need, we need help. We gotta call on the Lord or we'll just waste our time playing church. So we get serious about prayer. We call on God according to his word. Then he answers prayer and he moves us along in his provision and power. This provokes us then, this is the way it's supposed to work, this provokes us then to see that we need to be a dependent people. We have to depend on God for everything that we do, everything that we're gonna do, it has to be God working in and through us. And so as we move forward in ministry, we have to have God's blessing on our ministry. Otherwise, we're just playing at it. We have a form of godliness, we have a form of being the body or the, or the, or the house of God but there's no reality because we keep it man-centered. Psalms 127 verse one says, except the Lord build the house, they labor, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Yeah, God wants to use us, no doubt about it. That's his plan, that's, that's very clear in his word. But except he works in and through us, we can just be very busy wasting our time. I've said this so many times over the years, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna waste my life. I want what I'm doing to matter. I want it to make a difference for eternity. I want it to count for Christ. So I don't wanna play. The things that we're doing in ministry, are they falling out to the winning of souls, the making of disciples? the equipping of believers for the work of the ministry, is that taking place? If not, then we're doing it wrong. People fall in the trap of just showing up to services. It's part of their religi the religious ritual cycle. And they end up just playing at Jesus. They end up just playing at the things of God. Except the Lord build the house. We're wasting our time. So this is the reason why we're gonna always, as a local church, prioritize corporate prayer. We're not gonna pray the way that we want. We're not gonna pray any old which away. We're not gonna, it's, it's not gonna be by our whimsy. It's gonna be by the prayer book, right? We're gonna take and we're gonna look at what the word of God says and then we're gonna ask the Lord for that, amen? That's the game plan in corporate prayer. If you spend any time in this local church, you're gonna hear that our Tuesday night prayer ministry meeting is the single most important thing that we do as a local church. Why? Because God answers prayer. The souls that get saved, it's because God answers prayer. The people who grow in Christ, well, it's because God answers prayer. God's favor over his people is all an answer to prayer. So what does that look like practically? Well, when we see a need, we lift it up. So MBT members pray together when they meet over their need. Uh, we're, meeting over our, we're meeting over our need tonight. This is a time of mutual worship, right? We, together we worship the Lord. It's a time of mutual edification. Uh, individually, we're building one another up. We're encouraging one another. We get together and we attend on the word together. Uh, these are the, 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 this is a time in and of itself that meets a critical need in the life of every believer. But again, we need to, we need to not, you know, you could, you could spend the rest of your life giving the gospel and nobody will listen to it. So we need to desperately not waste our time, right? We want open doors. We want God to anoint the preaching of the gospel. And so it's proper for us to cry out over our need. 
So many times, churches, they slip into a mindset or a mode of self-sufficiency. The work of the ministry, the function of the local church, it ends up man-centered versus Christ-centered. You got, you know, this is typically what it looks like, okay? So, you know, our church is in some kind of a growth cycle. Uh, The typical growth cycle looks like this. A church starts out, and except God builds the church, they labor in vain, they intrinsically know that. They're typically new church plants or dependent people. Now, in recent days, a lot of church plants actually function as marketing schemes, and so it's a kind of a unique thing in terms of, in terms of overall church history, we're seeing a recent phenomenon, okay? Uh, a lot of church plants are, are the result of a really good marketing campaign. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have anything good to sell to a neighborhood or to a community that they're moving into, but it's not, they don't, they don't launch the church uh, on an open Bible through Bible study. It's not one-on-one, it's a mass marketing approach. Does that make sense? And so that's a little bit different dynamic. But so, so let's just keep it on the way we started and the way we're starting churches, since that's where we're at and that's what we're doing. We're not, I mean, I'm not against sending out mailers, but if that's what we're counting on, that is not how you build a church. It's hard work, one soul at a time, right? One Bible study at a time, one disciple at a time. That's how... That's how God builds a strong church, and so that's the game plan that we're gonna use. Okay, so anyway, uh, in the early days, take MBT, over and over, the common theme was what you're trying to do there is never gonna work. You guys are using a King James Bible, you're taking a discipleship ministry philosophy, and you're gonna, you're, you're gonna build a church in, in Midtown? Well, no, God can. And so we got desperate in prayer. When this church first started, okay, we started in November of 2007. Uh, A month and a half, maybe two months later, we did 40 days of prayer and fasting where we just called on the Lord because except God build the house, we're laboring in vain. Um, My wife and kids, we just in full faith, we said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be full-time. We're gonna trust the Lord to provide for the need. But, you know, if he doesn't, what am I gonna do to my wife and kids? We gotta eat, right? So we went all in on it and said, okay, God, we're trusting you and you alone to build the house. Our average attendance at the beginning of the 40 days to the end of the 40 days, it went up by 40 people our average attendance went up by 40. So in a little church plant, that was like gangbusters. I mean, that had us maxed out 40 new people. We couldn't keep up with that. It was just like God was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. Well, we haven't had 40 days of prayer and fasting since then. I'm not saying if that's good or bad. I'm just, uh, you know, again, the typical cycle is you're desperate, so you plead to God in prayer. You draw near to the blesser. The blessings come because God answers prayer. And then we're so busy managing our blessings, we don't really have time to pray like we used to. 
that's the typical cycle, right? And so I get that. You got, I mean, you, man, you got to take care. I mean, when God gives you babies, you got to take care of them. And, and I get it. You know, it's like, it's, it's this way in every cycle. Um, it, it, across the board, it's, it's all parallel. It's all uniform. Um, a, a, young, a young man or a young woman, young man, single man, single woman, they can stay up late at night, <laughs> do ministry every day of the week, stay, I mean, just like, it's, 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 it's just not fair <laughs> what they can do. You take that same person, add four or five years to them, one or two babies, a marriage, a job, and all of a sudden, they become human again. <laughs> and it's all they can do to keep up, right? Well, is that a bad thing? Man, you got this family, you got these little rugrats, you're training, I mean, it's, no, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's favor, it's blessing. But uh, you, you, you can't roll like you used to. And so, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to criticize what we're doing. I'm here to call us to stay dependent on the Lord in prayer because that is the only way we as a people will ever get anything done that matters for eternity. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? Second Chronicles chapter seven the Lord knows about this cycle, okay? We get, we get to the place where we're just so busy managing the, the, the blessings, you know, then pretty soon it, everything becomes rote and it just becomes machinery that's working and, and before you know it, you've got systems and, 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 and uh, activities and processes that have completely managed dependence in God out of the equation. De- reliance upon the power of the Holy Spirit, not part of the formula. And then we suffer lack. The Lord knew that this was a typical cycle and so in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 12, he talks to Solomon about it. He says he heard his prayer, verse 12, and that he had chosen the temple, right, as this, this place to himself for a house of sacrifice. And then he explains what they need to do when they inevitably come to this place of loss and fruitlessness. Verse 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. In other words, you've been rolling wrong. I'm giving you discipline. Once you clue into that, here's how you should respond. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Man, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. So we need to pray over our need. But then it's also, okay, we're, we're God's family, so it's proper for us to acknowledge our Father when we're together. That's just right. Uh, if my kids are in my presence and they won't even say so much as hi to me, that's, that's gonna hurt my feelings, <laughs> right? I'm their dad. Show a little love, right? It's only proper that when we come together we acknowledge the Father, amen? 
That's just common sense. But we need to make corporate prayer a, a priority in everything that we do, okay? Because this is such a critical principle in the areas that you're in ministry, the areas you're leading people in ministry, you wanna be working times of prayer together into what you're doing um, uh, as a ministry team or in that ministry relationship. Uh, find ways to work prayer together into what you're doing together. It's also critical that we keep an attitude of desperate dependence, an awareness of our need for desperate dependence on God for everything that we do. Anytime we get to the place where we're prayerless, okay, whether corporately together or in my own personal life, those seasons where I'm really just effectively prayerless, prayerlessness is a declaration of independence from God. Uh, we don't pray because we don't feel like we have need. Zechariah 4.6 says, you know, here's how the work gets done. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So we're, depest- we're dependent on God for everything that we do in ministry. So we gotta make corporate prayer a priority in everything that we do. And so as a result, when we come together, we need to pray together, amen? Some traps to avoid is a perception then of self-sufficiency. We don't want to fall into that trap where we think we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, right? The church can exist in a Laodicean state where the church thinks it's self-sufficient and it's not dependent on the Lord, on his word, on the person of Christ, the spirit of Christ. No, we've got it. We've got it all figured out. We're doing ministry, we've got ministry figured out. We know how to do it, we know how to do it right. We're very effective in what we do and then we just try to take over for the Lord and think that we're gonna be able to to accomplish something that's pleasing in his sight. Revelation 3.17, the church that finds itself in that condition needs to hear from the Lord, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then Revelation 3 ends with this incredible, just hard picture where Christ is on the outside of the door of his people and he's knocking to get back into the life of the church. They don't think they need him. We can't fall into the trap of self-sufficiency. We're doing ministry right. That's why we're growing. That's why we're blessed. Well, we need to do ministry right because the king has given us his commands. So let's obey them. But let's not assume that the ability and the power is within us to actually accomplish anything of eternal value. I can't get anybody to see their sin. I can't get anybody to see their need of a savior. But God can use me to do that. We need to stay dependent in prayer. We need to avoid the establishment of habitual practice of just beginning and ending our meetings in prayer. We don't wanna make prayer just a matter of form. You know, the Pharisees prayed. Listen to Jesus give this parable of a Pharisee in prayer, Luke 18, verse nine. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that were righteous and despised others. So here's the parable, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. 
<laughs> Talk about a jerk. <laughs> I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so here's Jesus' comment on it. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If your approach to prayer is you're just throwing words out because that's what you're supposed to do, watch out. We're not getting anything done. When we come together, let's call on the Lord together. Let's figure out what do we need, what, what do we need in the Word of God? What do we need to see applied to our ministry and our lives? What do we need from the Lord? Okay, let's ask Him for that. Let's ask Him in faith. Nothing doubting. Let's believe that we have what we ask because we're asking according to his word. Let's talk to God. Let's not just talk to ourselves, throwing words in the air. And then we gotta avoid a failure to communicate the critical need of corporate prayer. We, we gotta avoid failing to communicate a proper understanding of corporate prayer in this local church. And so that's where, uh, in this principle, we ask the members of MBT uh, how well are you communicating the doctrine of corporate prayer? How well are you communicating the call to corporate prayer to the people that God has around you in this local church? Are you calling on God's people to be dependent on the Lord in prayer? Or are you setting an example to lead people in self-sufficiency? Independence from God. We're just gonna go through the motions, play in church. Um, I don't know, man. So many churches, they start out humble, desperate, pleading in prayer. They get blessed, and before you know it, you've got just machinery operating in the name of Jesus. There's no life there. There's no power there. It's just polished presentations and good marketing and, I mean, you know, great show. It's like, it's like pandering to the goats in the community to just keep them entertained. Man, I just, I don't care if people come to MBT and think, oh man, those guys are awesome. Look at their praise. Look at, nobody's gonna come to MBT and, and uh, be like, that Pastor Miles, he ought to have a global stage. It's never gonna happen. So we don't have to worry about that. But, I, I want people to come to MBT and say, God is in this place. And I can't figure out why, why it's so blessed, because look at these people. <laughs> right? They're small, they're weak, they're despisable. Well, yeah, but we're loved by the Lord. We serve a mighty God. He's mighty to save. He wants, to, he wants to be glorified in the lives of his people. We know that, we believe that. I want people to walk into MBT and say, of a truth, God is in this place. I want them to feel, I, don't, I hope they feel loved and wanted, but the last thing I want for people is to come into MBT and just be comfortable. I want the word of God to pierce their heart. I want them to recognize that God's worth acknowledging Right, he, we have to take him serious. His word is speaking over our lives. I want people trembling before the word of the Lord. Only God can do that. We have not because we ask not, amen?
So let's have a season of prayer. Can we do this? Can we ask the Lord to grow us as a people of prayer, to make MBT a house of prayer, to help us to see our desperate, critical need to call on him, to get, call on him together? I'm not complaining what God's done in this local church. It's very rare. Uh, most, a lot of you don't really know this, okay? Because you just don't know, this is all that you know. In most, in the overwhelming majority, most churches all over the world, uh, just a fraction of the Sunday crowd shows up for the midweek service. What's happening together in this place is very rare, it's very unique, it's very precious. Okay, this does not just happen anywhere. We need to ask the Lord to protect that. Help us not to become, we need to pray. Lord, teach us to be wise. We don't want to fall into the trap of self-sufficiency. We don't want to come to the place where we say, I have no need of the Lord's uh, answer to prayer in my life, okay? Let's pray that God would grow us in corporate prayer, that he would protect uh, what he's building here in this place, amen? Okay, let's have another season of corporate prayer, and then after you're done praying, you're dismissed. I love you guys.